Hi, welcome to another episode of Stardust MQ. I'm Cameron Furlong. My guest today is Dr. Lee Spittler. He's a senior lecturer at Macquarie University and has a research focus in the formation and evolution of galaxies. But he's also the creator of a very innovative and unique telescope project called Huntsman. Lee was one of the very first people I ever interviewed when I started out in journalism, and I am very excited to have talked to him again about all things Huntsman. Huntsman is a a telescope that is currently operating in remote New South Wales, about a seven-hour drive north of Sydney. It's kind of an odd telescope in the sense that it's not one big telescope that's pointing at very distant sources. It's actually a telescope that's made up of 10 separate lenses. These are Canon lenses, and they all point at the same target. And what the Canon lenses are really good at doing is preserving really faint structures around distant galaxies. Even bigger telescopes, because of the way that they're designed, they kind of ruin the really absolute faintest things that we can see. The Huntsman Telescope is designed to to see that structure, which tells us about galaxies, which tells us about how galaxies grow, uh, which then helps us better understand how our, our galaxy, the Milky Way, came to be. What sets Huntsman apart from other traditional telescopes? The trouble with the big mirrors is you usually have to have a big support structure that's holding up the whole telescope, and the light has to go through that support structure. Now, it doesn't impact normal astronomy observations, the fact that the light is going by these beams that are holding up the telescope, but in the really faint part of the universe that I'm excited about looking at, you need to start worrying about that support structure and how it's slightly bending light as it's traveling through it to the wrong location on your camera. And that just ruins the image. It's kind of like blurring. And so that's why big mirror-based telescopes, they're just not designed for really faint observations. The Canon lenses uh, are not mirror-based, so they're just using glass lenses to focus the light. And because there's nothing in the path of the lenses, it's just glass, the light is less likely to go in the wrong location. It's more likely to go exactly where you want it to go. And in that way, you can actually start to get enough light of really faint structures and actually detect really faint, diffuse structures like around galaxies. What information will we be able to gather about the universe from the targets that Huntsman is going to be observing? Galaxies are um, a big community where our sun, the star, just lives in that community. And uh, the sun isn't alone. There's other stars. And even though we're pretty far away from the next star, In the past, the sun was probably in a star cluster with other stars. And so whatever happened in that event that produced the sun, it was probably influenced by the bigger galaxy that it lives within. But the trouble is understanding how that actually progressed and how that actually played out. We can't go back in time and see what the sun was doing five billion years ago when it was created. Um, So instead, what people like myself do, or astronomers like myself, is we look at other galaxies. And by looking at enough of them, you start to see uh, trends where you can see young galaxies that are just forming. You can see slightly older ones that allow you to start drawing a timeline of how galaxies form and then how they change with time. We have evidence that galaxies grow by consuming smaller galaxies. Our universe is really good at creating small little structures, but gravity and dark matter pulled them together and they started to glob together. And that produced the galaxies that we see today, uh, much, much bigger than the mini galaxies um, from the beginning of the universe. 
but we still see that effect happening today where tiny little mini galaxies are starting to kind of fall into the Milky Way. You might have seen the small and large Maginellic clouds in the southern sky. Those are two small galaxies that are currently falling into the Milky Way. They'll get destroyed and the stars that are in the small mini galaxies will just become a part of the Milky Way, which is how maybe a lot of the stars actually formed. But the most interesting and useful part of the collision of two galaxies, turns out it's really faint. Um, it's the stars that are just kind of diffusely falling off the collision because there's a lot of them. And if I can see more of them, I can get more detailed about the actual configuration that led to two galaxies forming, how the stars are going to end up in the ends when the two galaxies kind of completely become one. Um, and that, that story of how things collide and make bigger galaxies is what I'm after. And I'm looking for really faint signatures or signs that give me more, more information about how that actually happens. So alongside Hudsman, you have another project going that aims to take the same or similar technology uh, used in Huntsman and put it into space. Can you tell us a little bit about that? From the Huntsman project, we were kind of pondering the question, what if you could take one of those Canon lenses and actually put it into space? And if so, what would you see? The lenses are really good at seeing faint structures, but um, I can do it pretty well from the ground. So what we decided to do is not look at the visible wavelength spectrum, which we can see with our eyes, but move into the infrared wavelengths of light, which tells us a different part of the story, it tells us about different types of stars, different parts of galaxies. And so that was our science motivation, to look at the universe, the really faint part of the universe, to try to understand a bit more about it. That kind of led to my involvement in a small a CubeSat-based space telescope. So CubeSats are platforms for which anyone can put anything into space. Uh, the idea is that they are little kind of standardized um, little boxes and you can slot in standardized devices that can do whatever you want it to do. So you just slot in a, a few little things. It's a standard box so they all fit uh, and then you somehow launch it into space and you can do your science, you can do uh, fun observations of the Earth all sorts of things. So they brought the cost of doing anything in space down quite a lot. Out of that idea kind of came the idea of the Skyhopper. Skyhopper is about the size of the size of two shoe boxes. Within it, really sophisticated equipments, uh, cameras, telescope, optics, everything you need to run a little mini observatory in space is crammed into this little you know, shoebox sized thing. The idea, and it's still just an idea, we're still seeking funding for, for the Skyhopper Space Telescope. But if we, we do get funding maybe later this year, the idea would be to spend about two to three years actually building it. Researchers based at Macquarie University, other universities across Australia will work together with people overseas to make this little thing. And once we've made it, I think the current plan is to find someone that is excited about the project and give us a free launch into space. And we won't be the main thing that they're launching, but we'll kind of squeeze in next to a larger, more expensive satellite. But once we're in orbit, we'll communicate to it and hopefully then start to tell it to take pictures of the things that we're excited about learning about. And the data will be sent down to us and then we'll have a team of um, astronomers who will be uh, processing the data and trying to understand about what we've learned about the universe by looking at really faint things at infrared wavelengths of light. 
How does the cost of Huntsman compare to the cost of a similar traditional telescope? Uh, the price difference. So if you were just to consider the equipment within Huntsman, it's probably approaching a half million dollars worth of equipment. So this is everything you need to run a telescope. The facility around it is probably about a half a million more. That's just the infrastructure to protect and run like a dome to house it. So it's about a million dollar project. If you compare it to, um, let's say, an exciting major telescope named the Vera Rubin Observatory, it's a US-based telescope. It's gonna have a mirror that's eight meters in diameter. It's gonna map out the entire night sky and collect a, a ton of data, like petabytes worth of data every three nights or something like that for 10 years. And that project, I think is a, I think I just recently saw it's about 800 million US dollars. And that, I mean, that's an entire nation needed to pool. All the astronomers in the US made it the priority for the next decade. And so they were able to argue for that big price tag, but that kind of gives you a rough order of magnitude of one of the biggest telescopes and probably one of the most innovative ones in the next 10 years that will exist. So the price tag is very, very different. And what about Skyhopper? Space telescopes like the one that we're considering, that's more like 10 million Australian dollars for that small little CubeSat telescope. It's expensive, but a lot cheaper than the cost of putting up much, much bigger telescopes like Hubble into space, James Webb Space Telescope, which will come up next year. So Huntsman and Skyhopper are innovative in that they use existing technologies to focus in on niche and unique science. Do you think that projects like these are the future of astronomy? I think what Huntsman is a great example of is the low-cost technology revolution that's kind of happening around us. The cameras that we use are based on a technology that's um, used in mobile phone cameras. Five, ten years ago, they were just not suitable for astronomy, but because of people buying and using and really enjoying smartphones, that entire camera industry has radically changed, and it's meant that I can benefit from it. I can use cameras that are cheaper and actually comparable uh, to the cameras that we've been using for quite a long time in astronomy. So I think that what Huntsman demonstrates really well is that use of technology that is off the shelf, so consumer-grade equipment. It means that I can afford it to buy it at a university level. Normally, astronomers have to pool together their money across nations to fund, you know, multi-million, hundreds of million, even billion-dollar telescope facilities, which we all share, which is great. But using off-the-shelf technology, Canon lenses, cameras that are relatively cheap, means that I think we'll be able to do a lot more science that is kind of niche. So we'll design special purpose telescopes that can be leveraged off-the-shelf components more and more, answer a question, and then maybe once you're done answering that question, dismantle it, reassemble it in a different configuration, and kind of be a bit more nimble and reactive to what's what's out there, what's exciting. It means that I can kind of continually renew the, the technology in Huntsman and adapt it to newer and better technology and just do more interesting science with it.
Stardust MQ is a podcast made with the support of the Macquarie University Department of Physics and Astronomy and the Macquarie University Physics and Astronomy Society. Our intro music is by Poddington Bear and our outro theme is from Ketsa. I'll talk to you next time.